Hi everybody, welcome back to the Off The Bar Podcast. My name is Brandon, I'm joined with Ben today. And we're going to be discussing yesterday's games. Manchester United versus West Ham and Liverpool versus Chelsea. We're going to kick into the United-West uh, Ham game. Uh, what do you think of it, Ben? Did you... Honestly, I guess we'll first talk about the penalty. Um, I think, uh, honestly, I think it's the right call. What do you think? Well, you know, it's definitely a penalty, and I think for Pogba, it's a reaction. You know, the ball's coming straight towards his face. I think Maguire talked about it in his post-match interview that, yeah, he could he could have probably just taken one in the face, but he could have been knocked out by it. So I'm not surprised yeah, he, no, puts, he put Rice, his hands up. That right shot was hit directly hard. Uh, it was hit hard. I mean, maybe try to dip a little bit, but it was the correct call given. Um, uh, Antonio finishes it. Um, but honestly, United... Looked good to a degree in the sense of there were some attack, but I just felt like West Ham just felt a little bit more dominant throughout the course of the game. Definitely defensively in the first half, uh, before the Greenwood goal that we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, definitely, uh, whatever Moy set up that seemed to be like kind of trapping United and kind of stopping them from being able to get a decent shot off. I mean, I know Rashford had a pretty good shot on goal. There's a couple other shot on goals that probably could have been uh, finished, but it was just down to West Ham's defense that seemed to put up like a good fight. What What do you make of it? Well, I think in the first, if you look at the first half, United were definitely on the front foot. You can see they're attacking. You see they're trying to get that goal, and some opportunities they had. They had a lot of really good opportunities in the first half. It would can't. It kind of came down to the uh, Mikel Antonio penalty, and then right after the second half, they looked lethargic. It seemed like, and then you know you can talk about it. You can talk about it as an excuse all you want, but they played four games in two weeks. They're gonna play five games in two weeks. Right. That's that's almost torture. That's almost inhumane. Yeah, it is a lot, especially since Ali liked to use the same lineup over yeah. and over again. So I, I can understand why the last two games in the FA Cup against Chelsea and the in this game they uh, definitely try to switch it up to a degree. Try to. Just have a little bit of rotation going into that last game against Leicester, and then obviously going into the Europa League in August fifth. What I don't understand is the inclusion of Fosu Mensa in that starting lineup. He hasn't played a game in like three years for Man United, and he w- didn't really do well for Crystal Palace or Fulham on his two loans, and then obviously consistently injured. Is it safe to say that Diego Dolo? isn't rated or maybe he doesn't trust like an Ethan Lard from the Academy or something to that degree. Uh, well, you can definitely see he likes Ethan Laird. And I think you can see that because he's training with the first team. Right. Same thing with Ted and Mengi. He's training with the first team. He, he, the thing is, is he comfortable playing in the Premier League? Because we've seen with graduates, bar Greenwood, right. we've seen them come up and it's a physical league. You know, they're not ready for it, especially with Ethan Laird, who's had many injury problems before. Right. Is it safe for him to play? Probably not. Diogo Dolo is a whole different, op, a whole different thing. I think he wanted to go for a lot more defensive, and I think Fosimenta adds more defensively than Dolo. Right. I know he didn't play for three years for United. I know that it didn't really seem like he was that better defensive. Like, yeah, I think any right back is going to be an improvement defensively over Dolo that we play that Man United play, but it just didn't seem like it was that much of a difference in my opinion with Fosimenta. Like. Especially when he got that yellow card, it just seemed like it just seemed like a, a mistimed lunge. It, it he honestly our right hand side just seemed a little bit weak defensively. If after 
we brought after Man United brought on uh, Aaron Wambasaka. After we brought him in before. The, I mean before. Right. Before right. we brought on, before they brought on Aaron Wambasaka. So I mean yeah, you're talking about Timothy Fox Spencer who hasn't played a lot. Right. Like his loans weren't the best. I think genuinely you know, he had a good showing against Costa Palace, I think. You know, the one thing that a lot of people criticize him on is the one uh, one uh, 25% tackle rate at, uh, against Crystal Palace, but I think, right. you know, of course he's going to have some shaky performances, but you you want to offer a little bit more defensively, and the difference is a difference anyways, because Diogo Delo is a, is a, midfiel- is a midfielder right. winger. He's not, he really, truly isn't a, isn't a fullback, like, by choice, like, by, by trade. Right, he, I think he's more of a wingback, if anything. Yeah. He's more trying to be more offensive than defensive, sort of, kind of sort of how... Chelsea play Reese James in that sort of position more towards pushing the ball than anything and then having Alonso be that sort of creative wing back on the other side as well but also helping out a little bit more defensively. My thing is is that I think I saw when I was watching the game I was getting very frustrated over the fact that I think first off I don't think Ollie made I think Ollie needed to make more substitutions than just uh, Juan Bissaka, and I believe there was one more. Igalo. I think, honestly, probably putting on a James, maybe Dunn James, or maybe bringing on Fred could yeah. have helped. I know he probably wanted to go for the win in the, like, win in the second half, but I feel like bringing on one of those two could have definitely tried to inject some more pace, especially if you're going to bring off, like, a Matic, or some, uh, especially if you're going to bring off Matic, or if you bring on McTominay for Matic, something to that yeah. degree. Uh, I, in my opinion, it just it. Mm. Egalo did have a good shot on goal, but it just it really didn't work it, out. It for was him. a half chance, really, right? It wasn't... And if you look at West Ham, you know West Ham, I think honestly would have taken this game and said, "Listen, we either uh, win or draw. We don't care. We'll take the point. Like we'll just you know move on because they're safely you know they're safe in the Premier League for another season after having you know." A dismal start, and everyone looking at them as a, another rele- relegation battle after spending so much money on transfers. I think it was like what close to a hundred, one hundred forty million, something to that extent, on transfers. I just want to go quickly over to what Gary Neville said after these last two games with Man United. He said they need four or five signings. Do you agree with that? It's all about depth, and I think that's I think that's probably what he was trying to touch on. Yeah, we do need a right winger. We do need a defensive midfielder to replace Matic, which, you know, you can argue in a little bit if 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 James Garner goes out on loan or if uh, if Levitt goes out on loan and he and they prove to be good, right, they prove to be good enough like in the championship or something. Then you bring him back and say, okay, we're gonna start to play him a little bit more. Right, and we start to play him and you use Matic as kind of a mentor, but you know that's also that's if. You know, right. Do you go out and get a new player, stuff like that? And I think you know when you look at kind of the depth, that's probably why Oli does not want to sub off Bruno because it, this is his worst performance like since. Yeah. Didn't get a goal. Didn't get an assist. Didn't seem to really be in play. And I think um, it, it's tiredness. Yeah. You look at this. You look at this team, and they've played so much over the past five weeks. They played ten games over five weeks. They're going right. to be eleven. Of course, they're going to be tired. Of course, they're not going to be able to to do as much as they did when they were on that streak. And I think you look at, well, if we get a Jack Grealish, if we get a Van de Beek, if we get another defender or someone to like, right. come in and say, okay, we don't need this many players, then we don't need to play this team all the time, then you can say, okay, we can take a break. 
we can take a breath and go on and go. Okay, we can go. Okay, we can win this. We can win this. We can win this. Right. Instead of saying, "Well, we don't have to. We're going to play our entire team for the next five, six games. Right. The exact same team. They're going to be tired." Um, I just really want to bring it back to um, if you're going to make a couple signings now. Obviously, um, I don't believe that Man United need the four or five. I definitely think three, and I think two of them for sure are going to be Grealish and Sancho. It obviously depends on how much for both, especially if Aston Villa get regu- relegated or not. Uh, I think that's again what we're gonna have to wait for this weekend. We're gonna touch upon uh, touch upon this weekend's games. If I'm gonna say they need a one more signing, I definitely believe it's a defender. Harry Maguire and Lindelof. I was watching that game and they just honestly both look slow. Like they kinda, yeah. they can't play, and I think that's something a lot of people have been saying, and I'm not sure. I think maybe Tuan Zebe has been hurt with injury. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, who do you go from there? Like, you could play Phil Jones, I guess. I mean, you have also, but, again, Ted and Mengi, you have another right, but, academy. I mean, but I'm talking about yeah. for the last two games. Like, you, you want to put, like, trusted defenders. I think there's three in mind that I think they should go for, just to, that are a little bit more pacey. Um, one of them is Nathan Ake of... Uh, Bournemouth, uh, I, I think we all saw that uh, Ollie tried to talk to him after the press conference, uh, after the game against Bournemouth. He, I mean, obviously he's been impressive. He does have that buyback clause from Chelsea. What do you, um, before I get into the other two, what do you think of Nathan Ake being, uh, another, uh, being an option? option? Sorry, go ahead. No, too. Uh, I think... Uh, you have to look at also Man City are in form. There's been talks that a forty million pound bin has been accepted for him. You know, it's a good option. Does do I think he starts? Maybe. I think there's not. You know, and I know the kind of saying that many United are going to say they're not. There's not enough quality in the market to go out and buy someone that's right for you know, especially during this time that there's not going to be quality for people to go out and say all right, a hundred something million for. This defender, or ex-defender. Right. So, do I think it's a good option? Sure. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get him, especially with the fact that, yeah, um, Man City are looking to be the first person in the race for him. Right. But, you know, it's a good option. Is he, is he, does he have a high ceiling? You know, we, yeah, could, he could have a high ceiling, but I think, you know, especially right now with the team that Man United has, you're not going to go for high ceilings, I think. You have to go right. for people who are proven, who are proven to be top defenders in the league right uh so the next two i did want to bring up and if you're going to go for more quality than anything then these aren't like if you're going to go for quality and that kind of stuff uh the two i'm going to bring up aren't like they're still project players however they're probably more they're probably going to be more suited to the premier league anyways um obviously we uh many have been linked to him in the past ruben diaz Right. Uh, Benfica, definitely I think he's going to be a little bit more pacier than uh, Harry Maguire and maybe a little bit more than uh, Lindelof. He's just another strong physical presence that they can have at the center back role. And then the other one I'll, uh, I'm going to bring up is uh, Zagadu from, I think I say you pronounce his last, uh, last name, of Dortmund. Dortmund. Uh, definitely looking looks like he could be one more than a, a, a serviceable option. And then there's others that I think you can look at also as uh, Romagnoli, uh, 
an Upamakano maybe, or one of the, or Konate, uh, one of the Leipzig defenders you can look at as sort of like another pacey, uh, a bit of more pacey option for Man United because I think that's what they're missing in their center backs is, is, is that a bit of pace. Now, Lindelof obviously is probably faster of the two. But some, but when you just watch the games, their, their recovery time isn't the greatest. Um, let's now, I guess, switch over, unless you have any more comments, Ben. Let's now switch over to the Liverpool-Chelsea game, okay. which was 5-3, the scoreline, <laughs> which is honestly... It got Ben and I a little bit nervous because we felt like Chelsea were on the comeback after Liverpool went 3-0 up, a 3-1 up. Uh, Pulisic looking, you know, obviously on a fire again. I can't I honestly. He can't speak higher. I honestly, really. he he honestly he is looking like the American dream and the American promise that that um, Chelsea have wanted and what you know, a lot of us Americans have built him up, built that hype up around him. Um, Obviously, Liverpool. This was a game that they probably that they really wanted to win, so that's why they played a full force uh, side. How did you think that game went? Um, so I think personally for the Liverpool game, of course they wanted to win it there at home. They're right. now three years of beating that Anfield, which is an incredible stat. Right. Um, it's the first time they're gonna lift the Premier League. Of course, you want to win that game. I didn't think it, I thought it was more scary that they would actually get the draw. I never saw Chelsea as a team that would win against them. Right. But Liverpool defensively didn't look the best again. But I mean, you also have the fact of Alexander Arnold gets a golden assist. Yeah, Bobby Firmino finally scoring at Anfield for like the past decade. I feel right. like you know you have a lot of t- you have a lot of players that no, they definitely have a f- yeah. lot of firepower, and I think it's going to be scary if they do add a Thiago. Or someone of his quality in the midfield, just because I feel like that's their like missing piece, is when you play a Wijnaldum, another uh, midfielder, and a Fabinho. You know, it just seems like, and if that if that midfielder is going to be, is going to be Thiago, it's it's definitely going to it's definitely going to be uh, an issue for the Premier League, just because. I feel like it's a very stacked midfield. It's a very balanced midfield. You know, obviously, Thiago's very creative with the ball. Wijnaldum's very attacking. And Fabinho can always sit back and defend. Yeah. Um, for sure. And then, obviously, they have guys like Elliot and Minamino and Oxlade-Chamberlain coming off the bench. So, like, that's definitely some, like an improvement for them. And that's definitely uh, where they want to go in terms of direction of having quality and depth on the bench while also having it on the field as well. For Chelsea, like you said, it really wasn't like it really wasn't a game that I thought that they were going to uh, do well in. Obviously, uh, obviously they probably wanted to win so that way they can kind of have another Champions League. So that's the way they can hold on to a Champions League spot going into the final game this weekend. Uh, you know, Naby Keita also scored for Liverpool as well. Giroud. Opened the scoring, Tammy Abraham, and then obviously uh, Pulisic with a goal and assist. Uh, my opinion, just it, it looks good. It, uh, Chelsea for this weekend, if you're a United or Leicester fan, it looks good for if you're looking at maybe a draw and hopefully a Chelsea loss against Wolves to maybe secure that uh, last two Champions League spots. However, 
if you're, however, I just feel like it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a slugfest this weekend. It's just going to be who can win this uh, battle, uh, war of attrition first. Uh, ben, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to talk quickly, and I think this is something that a lot of people kind of touched on uh, right. during the review. What's going to happen with the Chelsea goalkeeper situation? Because it's not like ours, because ours was, De Gea has been the best for a long, a long, long, time. long time. And maybe it's now it's Henderson time to step up. Right. Keppa is, he's the, he's the, like, the most, most expensive goalkeeper in the world. And it seems like he hasn't do, been doing well. Yeah, ever since, I don't, he had a decent season before, but, uh, but ever since the restart, he's looked terrible. Right. There's been reports, and I talked about this a week ago, about uh, Jan Oblak for 70 million and Keppa for Jan Oblak. Um, for Dean Henderson, uh, what's gonna happen there? I don't really know because again, right. in this market, it's gonna be very difficult to try and buy players, especially yeah. as expensive as Old Black is gonna be. Because right. personally, I think he's the best goalkeeper in the world. But um, like you have to look at kind of, especially. Do you think they keep him? Do you think they play Willie Caballero? Do you think what? What do you think is gonna happen? I, what's I think is gonna happen there? Uh, from what reports that I kind of remember. Uh, coming up and always circulating throughout the season was Lampard's never really been impressed with Keppa's ability and Keppa, you know, I think honestly Keppa never really settled in Chelsea and so maybe I think also the pressure being the world's most expensive goalkeeper has been an issue for him as well because I think a lot of people had the expectation of he is going to be Neuer and Oblak at the Gea-esque type of goalkeeper um you know, someone that's going to save shots, be able to do a multitude of things on the ball and be able to distribute well. He's a decent goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong. Does he deserve to have the title of most uh, most expensive goalkeeper? Obviously not. I think it's going to be interesting. There's three players I am looking at for Chelsea. Obviously, there's going to be Dean Henderson that they're looking at, but I feel like Man United are going to hold on to Dean Henderson just because they are probably going to start using him as a number one goalkeeper next season. Maybe transitioning from De Gea. Maybe, you know, obviously rotation, you know, in FA Cup and EFL Cup games or Europa League or Champions League games, uh, depending on where they place, obviously in preseason as well. The next one is obviously, like you said, Jan Oblak, but I feel like they're probably going to get priced out of that, especially if they're going to pay 80 to 90 million for Kai Havertz. And obviously, already buying uh, Werner for fifty million, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to do that. And then the last person I feel like is more reasonable, more it's much more of a reasonable option for them, and maybe a little bit less expensive than a kind of like a mid tier option for them is definitely going to be an Andre Onana. I feel like he's definitely proven his uh, value and his worth. Uh, he came from La Masea, which is obviously that's. Good pedigree right there. But I think also the fact that he's been with Ajax for several years now. And he's proven that not only in the Dutch League, but in the Champions League, that he can also do well as well. And that's against, obviously, bigger competition. And so, in my opinion, uh, I think that's probably the most reasonable option for them if they're going to go for more of a, you know, we're still going to spend 30 to $40 million on a goalkeeper. But that's our limit. I feel like that's a good option price range for them. And then, obviously, you can go for maybe some quick fixes. Maybe like a Silicon at Valencia, a Neto at uh, Barcelona. I mean, those obviously are two a little bit older, so maybe they want a bit younger. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do. 
in terms of uh, how they do it. I think they're definitely going to be priced out of if they want to go a bit higher of a Donnarumma or a O block. Uh, in my opinion, maybe if they if they want to go a bit older, maybe a Berkey could be cool as well for them. But I think honestly, Onana might be the way to go, if, if especially after spending fifty and eighty plus on two uh, signings already. Maybe being a little bit more conservative and spending a thirty to forty million on a goalkeeper. Right. Yeah, I think. Per, yeah, I, I mean, there's not really much to add besides that. But yeah, I think, I think they're going to be priced out of a lot of players that they want to get, especially when how are you going to get a re, how are you going to get a replacement for that player? Right. Like, especially in this market. You know, we I mean we talked about kind of like you know Ajax always has a replacement for someone. Atletico Madrid does really well with replacing players. I mean, look, they bought Jan Oblak for almost nothing, and now they're right. uh, well, not almost nothing. He was, right. but yeah, he was really good at replacing players because they replaced Courtois. Um, but yeah, I think for right now, I I don't see them ever like I don't see them going right. for seventy million plus Kepa or fifty million, right? Because it's just it. I know they didn't have they had a transfer ban and I know that they had. I mean, the but money, if you but... think about it, do they re- like yes, uh, Abramovich has always been wealthy and always like throwing money. Is a is always interested in throwing money, but if you think about it, you know that Hazard deal. Yeah, they got money for it. They got like what a hundred, a hundred and ten million for Hazard, but then you know they also spent seventy on Pulisic and about thirty to forty on. I know that probably came from money that they didn't spend during the summer. However, it's still, in my opinion, there there's still money for them. However, it might not be as much as everyone's thinking, just because, uh, just because of those two signings. Plus, uh, obviously, they have to pay sorry some compensation, and then I don't believe they brought anyone in this window. They couldn't. Right. They didn't. So, you know, obviously uh, for them, it's... Obviously for them, they do have some money to sit on, but it's not... I, I don't believe it's as much as everyone thinks, and I think they already spent a good portion of it on Werner and now probably Havertz as well. Which uh, Leroy Sané all but confirmed, really. Pre- I think so. I think Sané... Uh, I think, yeah. Um... But I think we're just going to, uh, at the end of the day, I think it's just going to come down to the final day of the season. Yeah. I think that's what everyone expected. What Ben, I know you have a graphic that you wouldn't like to read out, so go ahead. All right, so I think this is probably the most exciting end of the season I've seen in a while. So there are nine different possibilities. So let's go through like each of them. If Leicester wins, let's just say this is the Leicester win category. If Leicester wins and Chelsea wins... Man United are the team in fifth. If Leicester win and Chelsea draw, Man United is still the team in fifth. And if Leicester win and Wolves win, Man United are still Man United are in fourth and Chelsea are in fifth. If Man United and Leicester draw and Chelsea win and Chelsea win, Leicester the team out. If Man United and Chelsea draw, Man United and Leicester draw and Chelsea uh, and Chelsea draw, Leicester the still the team out. And if Man United draw and Wolves win, Chelsea are the team out. So I think. And again, if Man United win, uh, they're going to be in. If Man United win and Chelsea win, it has to be Leicester that drops out. So I think this is a very, very important end of the end of the uh, end of the year. Because not only that, you also look at the bottom half where it's separated by goal difference and a point. And right. 
you know, it's very competitive. No, this is going to be a very tight finish for a lot of teams, um, especially for either staying in the Premier League or playing in the Champions League next season. In my opinion, I feel like I do see... I do see at least a draw, or I, I, I honestly, if I'm going, we're gonna make predictions really quickly, which I don't really wanted to do because we can go more in depth in another right, video, but right, yeah, because uh, I want to say that for another video, I do see Wolves not losing this game, if that makes sense. I think they're either going to win or draw. They've just been in great form as of late. Raul Jimenez, Jimenez has been really keeping up form for the past. Uh, Post and uh, post restart, um, you know Wolves do look really good. Uh, I mean Chelsea do also, and I, I that's why I see them playing to a draw, and I think it's really gonna come down to who's gonna win, Man United or Leicester. And so if right, so if they draw, if Chelsea and Leicester draw, no Chelsea and uh, Wolves draw. Then I think it's gonna come down to who wins Man United or Leicester, and even that that game comes down to a draw. You know, Man United still go through, which is on goal difference, right? And Leicester obviously drop. I think a lot of people, you know, are looking for Leicester to drop. I think if you're Man United and Chelsea fan, you are looking for Leicester to drop points on the weekend, so that way they go forward into the Champions League. Yeah. If you're a Leicester fan, I think I think everyone's against you this weekend. At least Man United and Chelsea fans, just because you, or if you win, the only possible scenario of you of them going through to the Champions League is is a win. Yeah, they is have, a win or a draw, and Chelsea lose, which right. could possibly happen. I mean, we've seen even though the return fixture against uh, Wolves, Chelsea beat them five two. We've we could we've seen uh, wolves be a stubborn team. Right, they're hard to play against, really. Yeah. So I, I'm very it's it's gonna be a very intriguing end of the year end of the season. And we're gonna talk about it a little bit in the next in another episode. Right. But I think personally, there's it, it's going to be a lot. It's gonna be a lot of drama at the end of the season. Right. And I think honestly, it's just pretty much stay tuned for Saturday and Sunday, just to really watch those games and to see you know what's gonna happen and who's going to go on uh, to to the Champions League next season. I think that's going to wrap it up today's video. I hope you guys did enjoy. Let us know what you guys think in the comment section down below. Who do you think is going to win Sunday? Uh, who's going to win Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, the games on those two dates? Uh, let us know any of you guys' opinion or whether we talked about transfers or anything that kind of that degree. And yeah, I uh, hope you guys did enjoy. Uh, stay safe and have a good one.